Mrs. Strawberry, and good morning, Mrs. Ampersand. I'm your host, Shane Adam Zach. My guest this episode is a playwright, an improviser, and a dungeon master, Mrs. Scott McCardle. And we're going to try and make the world a better place, one word at a time. Our word this week is Ampersand. This podcast goes for 25 minutes. But before any of that, it is time for the three-point check and some home truths. Scott, welcome to the show. How is your head, your heart, and your tummy? Hi, Shane. Uh, Happy to be here. My head is pretty full. It's been a really, really busy couple of weeks, um, but it's good. I'm getting relaxed again, and, and uh, so that's really good. My heart's also really full. We got some really good but secret family news this week, so very happy in the... In okay, the... but if I guess it one guess, oh, will you tell I, me if I'm right? I will. Okay. Uh, your, your sister is having a baby. This isn't airing, like, anytime soon. This won't be out for a couple of weeks. Yeah, you're right. Oh, cool. Congratulations, Uncle Scott. (laughs) Did I tell you that the other day? No, no. (laughs) I didn't even know you had a sister, to be honest. I have two. Oh, cool. Um, Oh, she's going to be so mad. (laughs) Um, And my... Oh, what a scoop. I'm putting this out tonight. (laughs) Oh, Um, and my tummy is full of pika chips. Ah, delightful. Um, We'll get to our word in a minute. I'm very excited about it because it is ampersand and it is, I think, probably about the third Dungeons and Dragons related, in a way, word that we've had so far, which obviously excites me a lot. Um, but as being my guest, you get to ask me a question. It can be uh, as silly or as serious as you like and I will give you an honest an answer as I possibly can. The floor is yours. Uh, I'm going to preface this by saying that I've had many conversations around hairstyling this week. Mm-hmm. So, I, so, so I want to know... How you've come to what I think is an iconic, and I think it's been even cartoonerized for the logo <laughs> of this show, Shane, look. Into, this is great for a podcast, isn't it? <laughs> like, talking about how, how you look right now. Um, yeah, okay, sure. So how, how did I come upon this look? When was the first time you like got this haircut? Is there a different style you're going to try soon? Or like the length of the beard? I don't know. Male grooming. Let's talk Male about grooming. it. Male grooming. Well, actually, it's funny you bring that up. Because um, Sinjin Coucher, who a mutual friend of ours who's also been on this show, uh, and I, we go to the same barber, which is uh, mm-hmm. Dandy Barbers in Northbridge. It's oh. moved around a bunch, but it's a, mm-hmm. a guy called Ben. And as of literally two days ago, at time of recording, our barber, who I've been with for well over a decade and is a man that I've come to love and trust, um, has hung up the shears. I actually heard that a week ago. And I, yeah. and I didn't get a chance before I knew he was <laughs> no. going to retire or whatever, or, you know, move on to another job to get like one final cut or get any recommendations from him. So... Is he going somewhere else that you can follow him to? No, he's, he's, he's not hairdressing anymore. He's oh. going on to... Like, he's a DJ and he does a bunch of other stuff. He's a really, really uh, cool guy. Um, but he's just not cutting hair anymore. So now I've got to... Now, oh, you know when you find someone and he's... Like, he never did me wrong. Uh, when I lived in Montreal, there was a period, obviously, where I got my haircut there. And the first haircut I got there was the worst haircut I've ever had. And I was immediately like, damn it. Damn it. Because even as a kid, like, I was never trustworthy of, of barbers until I got to this guy. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he just kind of... He's, he's very good at, like, knowing what's going to work for your head style. Yeah. So, you know, I've got kind of, like, the usually, like, a bit of a, a bit of a sick fade at the top and a bit of a shwoof off to the side and the top. You know, it works with my hairline and where my hairline is going. It's actually um, the same, you know, the same cut as Sam Knox 
at the, another mutual friend of ours, oh, the yeah. beloved Samantha Knox has that fade and long it. T- She's cool chick. Style champions. Um, so yeah, my I just it just came down to finding a barber that I really liked and just trusting him. Like he never said, "What do you want?" I was just like, "Let's yeah, do whatever you think is right." So now I've got to find a new Ben. And Ben, if you're out there, please hit me up. Maybe he'll private bookings. Maybe. Maybe. I feel like not, but I maybe. Hope. Maybe, you know, I've been with him for a long time. I've been pretty loyal. Like three I, different companies I followed him for. I hope his dream fails and he goes back to cutting Yeah, hair. me too. I hope whatever he's <laughs> pursuing his passions doesn't work out. Um, ampersand. The, mm. And you sort of specified the traditional kind of like Dungeons and Dragons ampersand. Yes. Um, which is probably my favorite ampersand because it's basically a dragon. It, it is my favorite logo yeah in existence i actually just think the logo i just think it's so well designed and i just think it's so cool i have a couple of shirts with it on of the dragon breathing. even more than the target logo i feel like they really hit that one on the on the head yeah you know sometimes the obvious you know thing is the right thing yeah um but i just think it's so recognizable now and i mean dungeons and dragons is hasbro's biggest Thing as of last week, they announced that it's it's grown and grown, particularly during COVID times. It's grown bigger than anything else. It's one of the biggest toy brands in the world now. Yeah, well, it's, it's funny you say that because I've been a fan of Dungeons and Dragons. I've loved the idea of it. I've played lots of very similar games to Dungeons and Dragons, but until lockdown, hadn't actually sat down and properly played a game of Dungeons and Dragons until you started doing like a group of online friends getting together and playing via Zoom. Yeah, Together Adventure. Uh, together Adventure. I mean, that was the first time I ever properly played. So you were my first DM. Oh, okay. um, and you know you never forget your first and it was it was it was everything I hoped for and more and I played like I think I played like two or three more games we played as that. players together once as well yes. during that which was that was really fun yes I yeah. played a, a, an elf uh, yeah, the money the money <laughs> with a pochon for eating things that he should not yes, yes. Um, so what what first got you into D&D uh, I played shock horror I was a nerd in high school as well. What? <laughs> On this podcast? Get out. Yeah. Um, so I played in, in high school a lot. There, were, there was groups at the high school, very other Stranger Things, but um, less cool and definitely less girls around. And less monster hunting. Um, true. Yeah. Well, presumably. the cool part. Yeah. Um, but we had better fashion. Um, so I played a lot in high school and then... Towards the end of high school, when I moved into theatre a lot more, you know, like a non-nerdy Just went one cool thing to the next. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Um, My status really elevated. Uh, I then had theatre for a couple of years in my life, and it wasn't... I didn't get back into it until I went camping with a bunch of theatre friends at university, and on the way down... Sound designer mate was like, oh, I bought all this like fourth edition D&D stuff I've never played and I don't know how to play, but I want to play this weekend. And I just went, give it to me. While come here, driving. come here, son. And yeah, I yeah, yeah. got the book and he was like, oh, do you think you'll be able to learn it in three hours? And I was like, yeah, I played third edition. It'll be fine. Yeah. Um, and I played some AD&D. Um, and then we, we played. That's, that's advanced Dungeons and Dragons uh, for, the, for the layman folk. Mm-hmm. They, do they listen? Is that our subscriber base? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> um, oh, Scott, nobody listens to this podcast. <laughs> it was my highest rated podcast on Spotify last year. Woo! Because I don't listen to any others. I accept. Um, and then we played a really drunken dress up. Everyone brought dress up for some reason on that trip. And we all got really drunk at about 2pm and played this dress up. I was in a toga with a moose hat. 
classic. Um, and there's pictures of it, and there's a bunch of people, and none of them had ever played D&D. And I think all we ran was one encounter of all of them getting fighting goblins in the middle of a road. Mm. And it was really fun. And then I started playing again. I got back into it. 5e got launched, 5th edition. Um, and I've played non-stop for, for years now, for, for pretty much a decade now. What do you think it is about the game that, that draws people in? What was it for you? Uh, the, having fun with friends. I think it was purely... Uh, because we all loved mucking around. I have a group of silly theatre friends who love... Wherever I go, I find silly theatre friends. Um, and I love just how they embrace it, because it just feels like you're at a rehearsal, but without the stress and uh, expenditure of doing a play. Yeah. Well, there's it's still expenditure. <laughs> yeah. Um, when I played, I think coming from an improv background, when I realised, I was like, oh, you can, you can pretty much just try anything. Yes. It might not work. But also, I've got a sword and a magical dagger. Um, and that, the escapism, the freedom, and just the shenanigans. Mm. Um, and the fact that, like, I know, I know a lot of people take it very seriously. Um, I was, <laughs> yeah. you know, very lucky to take it with the people that were taking it, the game, seriously, but having a heck of a lot of fun with it yeah. as well. I think that's what I really took from that experience. Together Adventure was was really interesting actually and became something that like like I had my home game that we we played every Sunday for for years and years mm-hmm. and then suddenly it was we were in lockdown and I had this little idea and then it was that we had so many people wanting to play that we were running five or six games a week and had to bring in other DMs and had to circulate and create this massive schedule and help people build characters and help people understand the game So it was quite a lot of work suddenly came up and then it was suddenly you're playing lots of different games with lots of different people. And I'd also been doing improv D&D, which I'd just spent the last five years playing over a hundred different one shots, just Mm. different games. So it was really great to play a game with people and have that joy of playing with new people who embrace it so much and make mistakes and the mistakes of it are, are great. And I think what I love about the game is the in a way the ampersand that does imply in the game that great improv rule of yes and mm. it's dungeons and dragons not it's not dungeons, dungeons no but dragons <laughs> yeah no but <laughs> dragons but in so many ways you hear horror stories or you you play games with dms who they know how the puzzle is meant to be solved and everything else they block there's punishment there's obstacles yeah. they have multiple ways to punish their players whereas i play with maybe one little trap, but I just layer in a variety of ways to win. Because people have great fun when they're winning, and I have great fun of like, this is one option, but also they could just pick up the giant cannon on the other side of the room and blow it open. And I love layering in how many ways people can succeed to just keep elevating them up and up and up. Because mm, there's, there's definitely an element of like creative problem solving to it as well, and puzzle, yeah. puzzle work. Um, you talked about Improv D&D, uh, mm. which is a live show which you guys have been doing for, for Fringe and throughout the year for five, five years, years now. now yeah. um, how, did, how did that all come about? Uh, that was the, the work of great ideas man, Dean Lovett, who has, over the years of his production company, has these great ideas who he then finds, like who he believes are the right people for that idea. Fantastic. So He's done Bogan Shakespeare, which is just a, a phenomenal hit. People love Bogans for some reason. They love Shakespeare. It just brings in this non-theatre crowd yeah. that is like, 
he does it every year at Fringe and only at Fringe because he knows it's the Fringe crowd. It's, yeah. it's genius, actually. A improv yeah. D&D was one. Yeah, Bogan Shakespeare teeters right on the edge of like, no, you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to mess with the bard, the sacred texts. That's so good. Yeah. Um, and then he also did last year, he did Improv Cheese TV, which I got to guest on, which was a bunch of dumb fun. Mm. Um, and that was that was a really great idea. So it kind of came about from there. And the first year was a bit of a train wreck. And we, none of us were like professional improvisers. And the bus really came from the hoo-ha. After the first year or so, like Stephen Platt then joined the hoo-ha. We mm-hmm. got Dan Buckle in, Sam Knox came in. Um, uh, we started playing with like Pete Townsend and George Ashworth and Alan Nixon Lloyd who all play with Hoo-Ha and, and know their improv and we all started to really learn and, and run skill stuff of improv which was, was great and I think it's just gone from strength to strength we just we just had a really great two weeks at Fringe which was really fun after a do year you, off do you feel like it's a very different beast or do you get the same enjoyment from the live show as playing a regular game on a Sunday afternoon with friends at home it is different. It's it's definitely condensed, yeah. um, and I definitely play a lot goofier. Yeah. Though I think I'm still a sinister madman in the game. That sometimes when I'll hint at something, where I'll be like, "Oh yeah, you sh- are you sure you want to go through that door?" That everyone will just give me this look of like, "Don't fuck with it." Like, why are you doing it like that? And it's a joy to watch uh, from an audience <laughs> point of view. Going, he's he's fucking them, and I kind of want them to make a mistake here. Uh, I mean, it's one of the things about improv. It's glorious to watch people fail uh, when you realize it really doesn't matter what happens totally. at the end of the day. And the, they also, the players also know I want them to win. I want them to have fun. Uh, I'll maim them. I'll maybe kill them at the end. But they can, they can fuck up and have that looseness because I'm, I'm going to ampersand them. I'm not going to... I'm not going to no-butt them. Yeah. I'm going to lift them up. I'm going to go, okay, like you stick your arm in there and sure, you're like, okay, uh, you're injected with, with poison, but you've got the key. The key that was in there, amazing. That's going to unlock, uh, but you haven't got much time left. I'll keep them rolling on. I'll give them something in return. Yeah. Do you think, do you think there's a specific person that really likes D&D? Like, has anyone been really keen to play that surprised you I guess is my question like the quarterback of the the high school in America that we both go to <laughs> yeah, did. snuck up to you behind oh. the bleachers going Scott I want, I want to get in I want in Cliff Brick Shithouse yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> that's his yeah. name that is his name um oh I've played with so many people or do you think or do you think there's a there's a something in common that all D&D wannabes and players have in common my the, I, I play with so many nerds and geeks so I'm like yes you're, you're a nerd and a geek I play with my partner who's who's not a nerd or a geek and just plays the funniest old man wizard that <laughs> yeah. like, I've ever come across whose name is just Poop like, everyone takes it so seriously and she takes the character seriously but is like I'm Poop mm. and that's so much fun it's the gravitas in which you deliver it that is important she's she's an incredible actor um there there's one actor friend who I wouldn't think would have been into it but he he came along uh and he's played with us for years now but he wasn't really friends with that group but I dragged him along because because I love him bits and he just plays someone who's and he and he's quite a serious guy he's a nice guy really well loved and he just plays this weird character that brings me like a lot of joy 
who's this like weird, random, chaotic Italian. Yeah. And I don't know. I never expected it out of him. And every now and then you'll get that. You'll get someone who you're just like, why are you playing that? And why is it so much fun? Yeah. There's definitely that element of, and again, it comes back to improv, of that escapism of jumping into a character's body and, you know, just being everything that they're about and just playing out this this complete fantasy world. Yeah. Um, who's, was it, who's your favourite character that you've ever played? That I've ever played? Yeah. Oh, I have a... And you can only pick one. Ah, oh, there's a character who inadvertently, I think, has become the protagonist of... The game that I'm not a player in, not a protagonist, but one of the key characters, because yeah. the players love her and they bring her back, and she's this this dwarf who lost her honor and came back and is now like the leader of the dwarven the, the dwarven nation because the players loved her so much, and they I often played her as like she was kind of tough and she had this kind of Scottish accent and um, was down on herself and hard on herself. And they just gave her so much love and pulled her up that I went, well, of course she's going to love herself now. She's being supported. And that was like really beautiful over like five, four or five years to be like, she's now this great leader who's going to help them out all the time because they invested in her and showed her love and compassion. Yeah. That was really lovely. It wasn't fun. It's not like a funny character, but she's just, I always feel really at home playing her and really confident in the skin of this woman. Yeah. This short red haired woman. What was her name? Eldest Feldrun. Ah, uh, yes. Tale as old as time. Correct, yeah. Um, steering things a little bit towards your theatre work. Mm. I know with me, like, mm. my big influences was obviously, like, towards the, the dark side of comedy mm. and my love of music always sort of manage in some way, whether I like it or not, to seep into my work. Do you find that um, D&D and perhaps, like, any other influences that kind of seep into your work, whether you like it to or not? Totally, totally. I, I think that... Uh, I get asked all the time like what my favourite form of storytelling is is it theatre or is it film and I'm like nah it's tabletop role playing mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. if I could if if I had any choice of any career I, I would do that for a living I would leave theatre behind um, wouldn't even be a question um, but would you wear a special hat? I would yeah. I'd constantly wear a special hat <laughs> I think my last special hat is in the like big hoo-ha costume box oh. um, it's a wizard hat um I'm playing a lot of tabletop roleplay horror, particularly Call of Cthulhu at the moment, which I'm really liking, and mm-hmm. I've, I've been playing it with a group since lockdown, so we've been playing for about a year now, actually. Um, Dear God. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Every Tuesday. Um, and that's been seeping into my film writing. I've been writing a lot more horror. I have a, a long love for horror. It's probably my favourite genre of all genre. Um, I think it's such a great medium. So that seeps in there, but on a general note, I think... What you learn as a DM is to be open to just abandoning your ideas. Particularly in Call of Cthulhu, I've learned that often <laughs> some of the best plot ideas come from the players when they're like, I reckon this is happening. And I'm like, oh, that's way better than actually. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, you may be onto something. And there's a really big one that I'll never tell them that I took from them. Oh, it's that your sister is pregnant. Yes. <laughs> um but then when it comes... So being open and being open to change and other ideas and feedback there really seeps into when I write a play or when I write a film and I get feedback from people where they're like... Where there's something you can be so precious about in your writing and you've just got to learn to be open and let it go um, and really kill your, kill your darlings in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and and sometimes kill the, kill the other players. Definitely. Um, so we've touched uh, a lot on D&D. 
we've talked about the power of ampersand and what sort of role playing and escapism. Uh, how do you think we can use kind of all of this to make the world a better place using the power of ampersand? I think if we take what we were talking about with D&D in there with how failure in D&D is so much fun, yeah. it's so beloved, but we don't punish it and we we instead grow from it, we yes and, we find the benefits in when we fail at things. If we take that and apply that to the world and look at when, particularly when people are younger and they fail at something and they feel discouraged at something and you have the opportunity instead to kind of be like, oh, sure, you fucked that up, but this is a great thing that's come from it. And we, yeah. we just start to look at things in a more positive light then I think the world starts to become a better place. It's one of those beautiful things, again, bringing it back to improv about it being how improv is, it's essentially disposable art. And we did a show for a bunch of uh, drama camp students the other night and Mm. it was a really fun show. I couldn't tell you one single moment uh, from the big who, how that happened in that show. I know it was really fun. I know they had a really good time and there were some laughs. But at the end of the show, my brain just goes, I no longer need that specific information, but uh, it was good. And I think D&D is like a little bit different in that mentally you're a little bit more absolved and a little bit more focused. Mm. Um, And obviously it goes for a lot longer. It can go, I mean, some games go for years. Yes. What do you think the longest D&D game ever is? What would be your guess? There's a guy who's been playing for like 30 years. Same campaign. Same campaign. campaign. Uh, There's an article about him and he's got this incredible basement of miniatures and landscapes and everything. He and his mates are just the ideal. I think that's, I think that's incredible. Or it's horribly toxic. Yeah. And they're feeding into this world of real toxic ideals but I like to think that it's a positive world where these men can grow and love each other I hope they've just been lifelong friends and they've got memories forever yeah I hope so too yeah um, what's the longest game you've ever played I am it's been delayed it got we took a little break of a fringe but I'm I've got three more sessions before my campaign that's run for when did we start for almost five years God damn son ends. and it is down to we started with eight seven players yeah it's down to two because they all died they exited in ways that they wanted to which felt right which was really good one one moved to Canada and we gave him a pretty no, tragic the all this time <laughs> um, we all moved to Canada he moved the as COVID was hitting yeah. and so he was meant to fly through China and then had to divert um, smart move uh, and went through America less smart <laughs> um, but we've had uh, two players go die together because they were like their characters were in love with each other and they went off into an afterlife like beautiful endings that they we all kind of went now's the time and my my job in facilitating that particularly that ending for those two characters is one of my highlights I think it was really beautiful and wholesome for those two characters and it's like when Troy left community and he just went sailing around the world in a boat with LeVar Burton yeah yeah. and the show was never the same but it was still pretty good yeah I agree yeah yeah um, so two two left um, which is exciting we've got three more sessions left and then everyone's kind of coming back together for, for an epilogue oh which would be really uh-huh. sweet that's really cute. Because I'm going to give them all the endings that they sort of want and allow them to just go, this is where I want my characters to end up and play a couple of little things with them in those worlds. You've, obviously you played the tabletop version, you've done the live version. Would you ever do like a, like a YouTube channel or something, like a, a video version of, of D&D? Yeah. No, they're, they're very popular. They are very popular. Um, 
uh, obviously after the critical critical role fad that has brought us to this blessed utopia of D and D. Thank you. Um, bless bless Matt Mercer. Um, yeah, I'd love to do one at some stage in the right circumstances, the right story. Um, whether it's D and D or some other great tabletop, um, I, I dabble in writing my own ones a little bit and, and experiment in there. Um, but there's some great ones I'd love. I haven't seen like a really great Call of Cthulhu one, and I think there's some really rich. I think H.P. Lovecraft's um, hell yeah, uh, uh, really rich. His worlds are really rich, and I love playing in them. Well, I would definitely uh, subscribe, uh, hit that bell for notifications, and smash that like button for that. Um, speaking of that, we've only got. About 30 seconds left, Scott. So would you like to let people know where they can find you on the internet if they want to follow your uh, theatre and D&D adventures? Yeah, so you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Improv D&D. Funnily enough, there's no ampersand because it's hard to find online with an ampersand. So it's D-M-D with an N. Um, Or you can find me at Second Chance Theatre, which is my production company where I make theatre and film. Um, Yes, and make theatre and film that are really good... Um, Scott, thank you so much for being here. I really hope uh, you get to be a great uh, dungeon master to a little niece or nephew uh, in the future. Uh, You're going to do a great job. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Good Morning, Mrs. Strawberry. If you'd like to help this podcast grow, you can do all those amazing things like subscribe, write a review, rate it, and of course, share it around the world. You can find the podcast at anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and all good podcast apps. I'd like to say a massive thank you to Cosmo Bones for the brand new logo and encourage you, dear listener, to get in contact if you would like to be part of the show and help make the world better, one word at a time.